Greetings and welcome to Stanford Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for tuning in to yet another installment. In this particular episode, we are honored to have an actress who's been regularly active in the game for well beyond the past 20 years. You've seen her, quite frankly, in everything on television from Seinfeld to The Drew Carey Show to Ally McBeal to Modern Family to blah, blah, blah. I mean, so many things. I, I, I get dizzy even thinking about it. I mean, she's... She's everywhere. On the silver screen, you, you've seen her in um, Rat Race, Yours, Mine, and Ours, All Stars, which because of this interview and an upcoming episode, that has become a new personal favorite of mine. Uh, not to mention her recent directorial work in both Come See Me and Spare Room. And of course, there's her scene-stealing performance in the 2012 Safety Not Guaranteed, one of my all-time favorites. I mean, that movie, when I first saw it 10 or so years ago, just freaking blew me away. And so that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got Jenica Berger here today. Uh, now, before we begin, I want to add a little context to this, this interview. I first reached out to Jenica a couple months ago, and she was super excited to do a sit down with this little mediocre podcast of ours. And unfortunately, things didn't really quite align themselves either she was a little too busy or I was a little busy or we were both a little busy. So the timing was a little a little bit off for quite some time. But funny thing was the other night, it was like 11 o'clock. I was watching something on TV and I, I sent her a message saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, just want to circle back. Let me know whenever you're free. And she's out on the West Coast. So it was like eight o'clock or so at that time. And she wrote back and she's like, now I'm 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 free right now. I was like, okay, all right, cool. Um, let me, you know, uh, let me figure out how I'm going to do this. My notes are down in the car. There's no time. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Right. Uh, so that's what I did. Uh, I, this is what you're about to hear is a totally unscripted interview. Um, I had a lot of prepared notes, but as I just said, they were like down in the car. So this, so if it sounds at times that I get a little unprepared, well, maybe even more so than usual. That is a little bit of an explanation. But that being said, I'm really, really excited about this interview. I think you're going to love it. We're going to pick up our interview right as we are starting to discuss her character, Liz, from Safety Not Guaranteed. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Jenica Berger. First of all, I'll just let me just tell you how it works in Los Angeles. Like, you know, sometimes at least before the pandemic, I would have four auditions a day or two auditions a day. And I'd be running from Warner Brothers and Burbank and then all the way back down to Venice to casting office. Uh, Mary Bernou's a big casting director here has cast probably most of the award winning movies that have been through the last at least 15 years. And um, her office was casting safety, not guaranteed. Usually when I'm up for a role in Mary's office, um, I know that it's going to go to a star, but I know that I'm in the running because she believes in me. And I got the script the night before and I had, I was actually testing for a series, which testing is the last level. That's like the highest level. It's super stressful. You do contracts with the lawyer. You do. So like you audition and then you get a call back and, blah, blah, and then they say, we want to test her at the network level. And then you go to studio and you sign these contracts. Like this is what her dressing room will be like. This is what her bumps are going to be in terms of this is her publicity. This is for seven year contracts, right? 
and thousands and thousands of dollars are on these pages. And then you go and audition in this dark room with a bunch of executives that are irritated or wearing <laughs> tight pantyhose or don't think you're funny, don't think you're pretty, or they love you and they, but they don't see you on this show or whatever it was. That particular day I was testing for a TV show called Work It, which went on ABC. Um, and I was testing for the wife of a guy who dresses as a woman. I loved the show. It was my two guys from Seinfeld. And ultimately I didn't get that job because they said I wasn't pretty enough to go against somebody who is a man that has to pretend he's a woman. Let me, but I digress. I got, you know, an email from Mary's office and it said, Hey, the director's in town for this little film and we're casting it as a favor. There's two roles we're looking for. And it's this one basically come dressed a fatter than you are because the character is supposed to be overweight. I just kind of rolled my eyes when I saw that note because I go out for overweight, overweight roles all the time. And that's because I'm buxom, but it's not because I'm fat. Right. And in fact, I was like way thinner than I am right now. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, so I opened the script and it says on the front, it said, this is based on a true ad that was seen in a newspaper. And it said, wanted um, someone for time travel. Um, this is not a joke. Safety is not guaranteed. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be like some sci-fi, whatever. So I opened it up. And I am telling you, I've never had, I've only had this experience twice with scripts where I knew it was going to be a hit. I knew it was a good movie. I was like, I have to be in this movie. The writer was so good. The Everything that you see on screen was on the page. Um, it wasn't improvised. It was, that was the writing. And I was just like, I have to get this role. As far as the role, you know, it was a very small part of, it was about Aubrey Plaza's journey and Jake Johnson's. Um, and then, and then there was, it was kind of this little gem in the corner, right? But it was like the last piece of that character they couldn't find. So when I auditioned, I came in and I read with Colin Trevorrow, the, the, the director and the writer, and Jake wasn't there. They said, Jake is already in uh, working on something else, um, but so I'll read with you. And Colin was a great actor, yeah. the director. Mm -hmm. He was actually really good. And, I, and we just had this connection and I love that role. And I said, I got to tell you, I tested for the series. I was late to the audition. I was like, I have to do this movie. I love it. Okay. So I leave and they call and they're like, Oh, they love you. You, you got the role. Um, it's for no money, <laughs> like literally $0. They're going to fly you to Seattle on a Friday. You're going to film all your scenes in one day on Saturday and you're leaving Sunday. They have no money. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I got a call from Jake Johnson and he was like, so cute. He was like, Hey, um, I just really want this to be good. You know, like everybody's telling me I'm a star and like I did this pilot, New Girl, and everybody says I'm a star and did that and New Girl had not come out. And he was like, mm -hmm. and they're saying this, but like, I'm like, okay, when are they going to pay on it? Like, I'm fucking paying everybody. And like, you're not making money on this movie. And I was like, no, I'm not making money on this movie. Let's make it good. So this is like off the cuff, like would be against SAG rules, Screen Actors Guild rules to go rehearse a movie when you're not getting paid for it. And I just was like, yeah, right on. Let's do it. Let's make a play. That's what I was like. Let's rehearse a play. <laughs> so I go to Jake's house and um, we hang out with his dog and we rehearse all the scenes and we really just kind of found it and we have this connection and, and he was so sweet. He kept saying, I think what's so great about you is that you're pretty. 
And I was like, thank you. And he's like, but the character is saying that you're fat and he sees that she's fat, but I think that's his perception. And I was like, oh, thanks guys. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Colin. Everybody's saying I'm pretty, but like the role on the page said she's overweight and mm-hmm. it's not what she re- he remembers. Anyway, so go to Seattle and it was a wonderful time. We all stayed in the hotel. They were so nice. Everybody on that crew, Mark Duplass's friends and his brother and his the crew that he works with and his producers that have gone on to make great, great films with Mark Duplass and obviously Colin Trevorrow has gone on to do Jurassic World. He, he's done okay. He's done okay. He's done okay. Um, and, um, and we shot that, we shot all those scenes in one day in a house like 17 setups which is a lot and ben kasolke was the dp i was madly in love with him he made me look so great it was super fun and jake and i had a working chemistry that was genuine and um and then i was gone cut to uh i get a email from colin he's like don't tell anybody yet but we got into sundance and i was like awesome go to Sundance. And I think what's, I think this is an interesting thing for you to hear since you're a fan of the movie, everybody in the audience, three packed house, 300 sold seats. I couldn't even get Mary Bernou's assistant, a ticket to the thing. Like, and she's the one who got me the role. And I'm like yelling at the producer, like she got me the role. Like, can I get her a seat? The end of the movie was not the end of the movie in the script. Really? Yeah. So it was amazing to me because Colin purposely did not tell anybody. The only people who knew were Duplass and Aubrey. So our, anybody who had worked on the film was like, what? Like that was fantastical. It was fucking amazing ending. And anybody who knew that from big beach, who did that, that was the producers who did um, little miss sunshine, et cetera. That was amazing. We literally jumped up on our feet and so did the audience for, they jumped up there was a standing ovation i saw three standing ovations for that film in sundance and um it was very revered because it had a magic to it and a charm and um but i think one thing that's interesting is that nobody knows that that was not the original ending that they had done test screenings and then they had gone back and done this this visual effect and to make it have that magic at the end it needed that boom at the end that she goes with them Mm-hmm. What was the original ending? Um, the original ending was that he gets arrested and he is charged for his conspiracy theories and the lengths that he's gone to. And he's super like, if you remember, they go, they go in a shed and they see that he's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she goes back to finish the article and something doesn't sit right. So she goes back to that tree that they kind of had a date on and he's left something in there for her that says like where she needs to go what she needs to do to go forward to 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 time travel Mm -hmm. but i think it was i i love the ending of that movie and a lot of writers in los angeles i the ending is so good isn't it don't don't tell anybody if they're if they haven't seen the movie but they should see the movie just to see and then he won a screenwriting award ralph waldo emerson um 
the what is it? Yeah, it's a screenwriter. Is it Ralph Waldo Emerson or is that a poet? What's a poet? Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm like, wait, he didn't get the screen. He didn't get an award for this movie. That it wasn't Ralph Waldo yeah, Emerson. When yeah, no. <laughs> the screen, which, oh my god, they won so many awards for that movie, and um, I think they had a really huge expectation for it to do be as big as Little Miss Sunshine, but I think it did really well critically and it played all over the world. And Colin would email me from all over the world. He's like, you're, you, people fell in love with you in England. Hey, I'm in Brazil. People fell in love with you. Hey, I'm here. And for a long time, I, I, I wrote on that credit. I would go into a room and people would say, tell me about this movie. And you were so great in it. And this is such, you were such a surprise. And so, Jenica, there are about like 30 things I want to unpack from everything you just said, and I, I really don't know where to begin, but I guess I'll start with the the most recent kind of work my way back. But one, you blew my mind with the ending on that, because I think the an- the ending for that film is so fantastic and it is so visual and it's so, so charming and so romantic, but it's also like the perfect ending and it really like completes this whole real it makes it a real like true like time traveling kind of film and so it's it's able to be put up there with some of like the great time traveling movies that i because i'm I'm such a sucker for those and the movie taps into so many so many other like fantastic things as far as like regret and lost loves and how the past doesn't necessarily stack up with what you think the past is and there, there are just so many themes that are going on in this movie but even before that uh, you, you said a few other things that I'm I'm kind of curious about, but now just I, I want to talk about this movie, but you had referenced Seinfeld and obviously you were on an episode of Seinfeld. If I'm correct, it was the it was the Puerto Rican day. And I have that one correct, right? You do. Okay. You do. That was the second to the last episode. And that one was that was kind of a, a scandalous episode at its time when it when it was originally released, if I if I recall correctly. Yeah. Originally, it wasn't included in the syndication rights. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, great. So nobody will ever see it again. But then they, <laughs> they eventually put it on. Also, I, I I do want to speak briefly about the, uh, and I really don't necessarily know the best way to approach it, but it was something that I found fascinating about the movie is Jake's character being a little bit like superficial. And then just the way that you were phrasing it about uh, I, I can't remember exactly how you said it about that she was overweight, overweight. And that because that was something that 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 was used in the line. And then you also just mentioned that, like, people loved you. Yeah, you you were in the movie you shot for like one day. You were in the movie for like 10 minutes. You stole the movie for like you like your your scenes that you're in there. You were. Yeah, your your hair was incredible in that movie and your your character. <laughs> Uh, was just super charming and super sweet and super awesome. But it, it, it was really funny just to watch uh, your relationship with him and how that how that that whole scene played out. But just the way that Jake was uh, talking to you about, well, well, you're you're pretty. Well, well, yeah, you know, and it, it, it just it, it just really kind of like funny to hear that and even later to be honest even later when i went then he became a huge star by the time we were at sundance he was a huge star and everybody knew who jake johnson was and everybody wanted him in this movie and i have this love scene with him and and but but like prior to that nobody knew it was just everybody in show business thought he was gonna be a star and um 
it was so funny. I went to go work on New Girl, uh, and I and I'm like, Jake, give a hug, and then and then somebody says in the trailer in the makeup room, oh yeah, you guys are in that movie together. And he goes, yeah, I mean, it was so great. She was such great casting because she was so pretty. Again, he said it. I think he had an idea that this was like a very fat character Mm, mm. and she just really had lost it, lost herself. And I think their casting and Mary Vernu's office is so brilliant at casting is they go, sometimes they go the opposite of what what's on the page mm-hmm. meaning they didn't go for a thin girl but they're like you know she just isn't as pretty as she was when they were younger right and uh i thought that was such a i, I thought that was so cool and i thought it was so funny that jake was so but i know why he was taken aback because the script made emphasis of she's really lost her looks and she's overweight and he spies her in the in the hair salon and stuff like that and so, but I was so grateful that they chose me anyway, that I wasn't so <laughs> too pretty that I didn't get it. <laughs> right. Um, it's like they, it's like they never saw your, uh, your little dance routine in Drew Carey. I mean, with the, uh, apparently not. I mean, come on. And obviously your resume is extremely extensive, but when I was watching that, when I was watching safety, not guaranteed, I'm like, shit, where, like, what have I seen? And then I'm like, oh my God. And Drew Carey, I, I lived on that show for like good four years and you were on it for a couple of those, right? How long, how long did you work on Drew Carey? I worked on it two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two and a half seasons. Drew and I had great chemistry. He's just, a, he's just a really great guy. It was just, that was an awesome, honestly, the writer of that show who I just worked with again on, on the Connors, Bruce Helford, he created Roseanne. Um, so now he's on the Connor show running. And so he gave me a job on that. And I was grateful for that. But just those guys that know how to write and gals, there's such Julia Larson's a great writer. She was on Drew Carey. Um, they just know how to write that comedy. <laughs> like mm-hmm. once they get into their characters, especially like that middle class, working class comedy. And it was, it's like music to my ears when I read it and I can do it so easily. And it comes to me naturally, particularly with Drew Carey. They had such a riff with Kathy Kinney going. That was so good with the workplace comedy and Kathy Kinney's character. And then with Drew and then with the group, <laughs> the goofballs, uh, Deidre Fader and Ryan Stiles. Mm-hmm. It was so freaking funny. Like literally everything that came out of their mouth was funny. Just any line was funny. Yeah. So that's like one of those shows you work on. You know you're in with really good people. You know everybody's funny. Um, I have a good Drew Carey story. So they said, we're going to do the breakup episode, but we're going to fly to Cleveland um, to film it. Because I don't know if you remember this, but we break up because he sees me kissing another guy on a jumbotron and he runs across the Cleveland Brown Stadium field. Did you ever see that episode? So I, I don't even know like how... Like how that all ended. Yeah. So I have, I didn't see that. So my character, uh, 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 he thinks I'm cheating on him and he goes to a Cleveland Browns game and he sees me kissing another guy on the jumbotron. So he runs across the field and they said, Oh, we're going to film this whole episode in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So they told me on the plane, we're all in first class. They said, oh, Drew actually flew on a private jet. But they told me, the other actors told me on the plane, oh, be, be careful when, you, when you, you, you'll see. When we get out of the plane, we see at the hotel, we have to have, to have fake names. And I'm like, 
a working actress. I'm like, nobody fucking knows me. Nobody cares. It's not that big of a deal. Right. We get out and go to the hotel. You would have thought I was Priscilla Presley. <laughs> like, they loved Drew Carey at that time in Cleveland so much mm-hmm. that they were like, because my character's name is Sharon. They're like, Sharon, you want to fix my pipes? I was like, oh my God. Like, that's the closest I've ever been to fame. It was killer. Yeah. And then we got to go to the Cleveland Brown Stadium and Bernie Kozar, who owns it, who was the who was a quarterback a long time ago. He was so sweet. And we got a tour. And then um, and then they invited extras in Ohio and said, anybody will come and do this scene. And like 15,000 people showed up. It was so cool. But obviously, you know, you've you've been you've been acting for a while. And obviously, you've got a lot of um, background on television. And I, you know, um, had to go through your back catalog after watching your your role, obviously, in Safety Not Guaranteed. And then like that realization that you're a Sharon on Drew Carey show. But you would also mention again about about your size. And this is something that I, that I find fascinating because even on your performance on Ally McBeal, that was something mm-hmm. that was very, very specific. About yeah, about your, yeah. and uh, has that been something that, that you found professionally that you've had to deal with as far as just- Oh yeah. So now that I'm over 40, it hasn't been such a big deal. When you're over 40, you're put out to pasture for- Comedy roles, drama roles, uh, real people roles. Do you know about that? uh, Who was it? The, oh my God, uh, Amy Schumer. And when she had Julia Louis-Dreyfus, they had like that, like that over, that over 40s. Oh my God, I laughed so hard at that thing. That was hysterical. But also like, because I haven't hit that famous level, there's nothing I have to try to hold on to. So it's also a good thing for me. I don't have to hold on to some looks that I'm trying to keep preserve right i just be me so i kind of enjoy i loving the roles that i've been playing lately and the stuff that i've been doing lately but but at the time when i was i cannot tell you like losing a role to a guy who's playing a woman because i'm not pretty enough losing a role because i'm not fat oh i remember i was on an episode of bones with ben falcone who's married to melissa mccarthy i had an audition for Mike and Molly. And he said, do you want to know what's crazy? My wife had an audition for this and they said they wanted a Melissa McCarthy type and she went in and she had not gotten it yet because they thought she was too big for her own role. (laughs) That was basically created for her. And so I heard that firsthand from her husband. So yeah, there's all kinds of bullshit like that. I mean, I don't even know if you remember, um, what is that hilarious? Margaret Cho said that, you know, a reporter said, so let me get this straight. You had to lose weight to play yourself on ABC. There was so much focus on weight when I was 20 and 30. It was mm-hmm. all, and I don't know if that's because I was competing to try to get the prettier roles or the leading roles. And so it was just, it constantly kept down, coming down to my size. And, um, and there were years where I was chubby and there was years where I was not at mm-hmm. all. And sometimes that would work against me. I was no longer character. It was like, I was too pretty to be the ugly girl and too ugly to be the pretty girl. And I'm honestly so glad that's over. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels so great to just be over 40. <laughs> and like not <laughs> here, here. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so good to like, not have to try to be, 
now I'm sure I'm going to go through this when I'm 50. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm trying to keep myself young looking and like feel young in a room. Like, especially when my daughter's a musician and she's got these adorable musicians um, that are playing in her band and they think I'm mom and they do not right. see me as an actor or attractive or anything. And I just like really struggle with that. I'm not cool. I'm just fucking a mom. And that, that is like not okay with me. So I'm sure I'm going to struggle, you know, as I get older, but right at this very moment, the pressure of losing weight and trying to look a certain way for roles and, and also getting the roles that say I'm fat, like Ally McBeal. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, that was a very popular show when I did it. And I had tons of friends saying, did that hurt your feelings? I mean, Robert Downey Jr. saying it in the script you have a hard time representing her or no, um, prosecuting her, cross-examining her because she's 10 pounds shy of a muumu. What are you saying, Alan? Like that was one of the lines. And then actually I have a great story about that. So I'm in the trailer and Anne Hayes is on the show that year. And she, she had just gone crazy in the desert. And like people were talking about Anne Hayes all the time mm-hmm. about how she's crazy. And she comes in, she goes, who are you playing? And I said, I'm playing Jessica Pip. And she was like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> you need to know this has nothing to do with you. This is about a fucking war on this show about weight. This has nothing to do with you. And I was like, thank you so much for saying that. I'll always love her for saying that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there was there was kind of like this war on weight that was going on in the late 90s, uh, really like mid 90s, late 90s. And obviously, you probably know more about it than I, but it, it was something that was very, very, um, I don't know, now just looking back at some of these episodes, just kind of there there is this level of just being mortified about some of the things that 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 you just see on tv but your character on that episode was epic just epic <laughs> i didn't write it they did and they're really good writers but it was um it was fun to uh, Callista is an awesome actress and it was fun to play against her and she's very professional she took that job really seriously and she was really good and she was great in the role. She's whip smart and super funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she just happens to be naturally skinny. I don't think it was like an obsession to be skinny for her. I I don't know. I don't know her, but you know, mm-hmm. it, she just happened to be skinny, but, but yeah, there, the war on weight in the nineties was there, but the war I had was with myself. Right. Like I had a couple agents say like, you need to lose weight and managers are like, what are you doing to lose weight? What are you doing in the meantime? You should be on a diet. You should be eating this way. You should be exercising this way. And then those things always made me eat more. What actually made me comfortable in my body was having a child. I was like, fuck you. This is it. This is how it's going to go. I'm either going to be fat or maybe thin. And I happened to get really thin after my daughter, True, because I was young when I had her. I was 28. And then I had the other girls when I was 39 and 41. It's been hard to get off the weight. But at this point, I literally do not care. Like I'm working out. I'm actually working out with an actress named Jill Michelle Million. We have a little uh, Instagram show, the Mr. Jack show. Please follow it on Instagram. Okay. It's very funny. Um, And the premise is it's two dog groomers from Miami who are stuck in LA and one of their clients dies and she's in and jill's character is channeling mr jack the dog 
And so, um, she's actually been training me. I feel great. Um, I'm actually exercising. I'm actually enjoying exercising. And like, I don't give a fuck. Right. (laughs) Melissa McCarthy opened the door for that. Like Melissa McCarthy opened the door for hysterically funny. Right. But, um, I'm not going to talk about my weight. I'm not going to do jokes about my weight. Even though she was on Mike and Molly, she didn't do that shtick, mm-hmm. at least out in the real world that I could see. And then Amy Schumer was just like a real body person. And, and it was wrapped. It was like, awesome. What was her, she had one, like one of like the, the greatest lines ever. And I can't remember uh, what type of award ceremony that she was at, but she, she, she said something like, uh, I, I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, I'm 170, but I can take a dick. Like what? Like basically, that she can get anybody. Uh, and it was just so good, and like the whole room just like belted. She's like, this is my body, but I can, you know, I can get, I can get a dick. You know, it's not a, not a problem for me. And it's just so good. I, I wish I could remember specifically what where That's she good was. Enough. That was funny. Yeah, she, she's great. I love her. And I apologize. I don't know how. I, you know, I apologize if, if I somehow brought up because the last thing I ever wanted to do anytime I would ever interview any female was, is talk about weight and everything. So I apologize. No, but if, I think it's important if anybody's listening to it. I mean, you wanted your, your show is about cinema and you wanted to talk about the film and you like filmmakers. And I love your choices in film. Uh, Sean Baker's uh, the Florida project floored me. I saw that you loved that one. And mm-hmm. I love Sean Baker. I love Reitman. I love. I mean, I'm set. I really want to work with Reed Morano, the female director who did um, uh, *Handmaid's Tale*. Yeah, and new season coming out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's like there's a lot that you can get from. I think if if an actor's listening to this, I think they can commiserate or understand it's not exactly what you think, or at least it wasn't then. Mm-hmm. And the barrier that's been broken has basically been by funny women both color and size right like one of the my favorite actress comedian is leslie les dog leslie jones from um snl and she's six foot eight or some shit yeah and she is amazing i i I love her love her uh jenica do you have a second or two to talk about your own like from the from behind the camera sure so uh so come see me came mm-hmm. out of frustration is a, is my first film that I directed came out of frustration of, I sold the TV show that was based on my life and everybody said, you can't star in it. <laughs> and then the producer said, no, I believe in her. She should star in it. I'm going to finance a pilot. And he financed the pilot and we still couldn't sell it. Well, we sold it, but we couldn't sell the idea of me in it. I remember this being such a disaster and it was so painful to have your own project taken away from you. And people say, no, you can't star as you. Like, even the writer was like, so wait, we're changing the name Jenica to Jennifer? Like, what? Like everybody was just, what? And so out of frustration, I wrote this movie. And I I brought it to Ben Kosolke, who was the DP of Safety Not Guaranteed. And I workshopped it with him. And my friend, Doc Droli wrote it with me. He's a great writer. And Ben was going to direct it. And then Ben got a film with Lynn Shelton, another film. And the producer was like, you're pregnant. You're going to about to give birth. Either do it now or you don't. You should direct it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know anything about cameras. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I was working on the TV show Without a Trace. Mm -hmm. And the director was Allison Anders, who did Gas Food Lodging. Um, An old film. Anyway, she's a great filmmaker. And I said... 
hey, there's this opportunity where I could direct my own film, but I don't really understand camera. She goes, let me tell you something. I went to UCLA and all my friends were jealous that I won the Nichols Fellowship two times in a row. Because you know why? I know story. She's like, you're an actress. You know story. You wrote it. You know story. They not they understand cameras. Let them use the cameras. And I was like, awesome. And so I directed that film in seven days. It was a $10,000 budget. And um, we ended up winning a ton of awards, got a lot of attention, got into Variety, Hollywood Reporter. It was fantastic. I loved it. Thank you. More than anything, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to talk about Safety Not Guaranteed, but just the opportunity to tell you how much I love Come See Me. That, that was, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. I hope anybody who's listening will, will see. It's free on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime right now. It is, yeah. I watched yeah. that and uh, Spare Room. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spare Room came out of that same producer who did Come See Me and made it possible for me to make that movie for very little um, and in such little time. He went to college with the woman who wrote Spare Room and she had raised some money in Chicago. She wanted to make a film and she had a great little story and she we met and I had the same vision as her and she wanted me to direct it. So we had a little bit of a bigger budget and then Mary Renew cast it and we got that great cast and um, Skylar ended up winning four awards as Best Actress and she really killed it and we shot that in 10 days. I think I learned a lot on that movie because it was a bigger production. And I learned, I had so much fun with the DP, Alan Cadillo. He's like this incredible DP. I will not, I don't want to do anything else without him. And, and then I was going on to move to direct another movie and that sort of fell apart. And, uh, and I'm, I'm working on a movie I'm so excited about called Fangirls. It's a comedy. It's like um, bridesmaids sort of meets pitch perfect. Um, okay. And it's, four girls who go to a new kids on the block farewell concert and they're going to do anything they can to get to that concert. They don't have tickets and they're in their forties. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we've got the, uh, the okay of the Donnie Wahlberg and the band and, um, and we're, we've been workshopping it and doing it and we're going out with it. And I'm super excited. Well, that's exciting. Um, I know you, I, 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 there's so many more questions. I know you've got, I, I know you have to go. Um, Jenica, this has been so awesome. Uh, you're leaving me wanting to ask like 50,000 more questions. Uh, but I am so sincerely thankful and appreciative for you taking the time to speak with me for a few moments. You know, I hope uh, you, your girls, your husband, everybody is doing great out there in California. I know this has been a crazy, you're crazy York, time. Right? No, I'm in, I'm in Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, that's cool. There's a lot of production there. My very tons. favorite. Yeah, tons. My favorite show is Stranger Things, period. Hands down. If I even got close to directing an episode, I'd be so excited. I I thoroughly enjoy that time that 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 show. And it was maybe a decade ago when I was uh, just out of grad school because I went to Carnegie Mellon and I moved down here, moved down here being Atlanta. And I was at like a season premiere party of The Walking Dead and Stephen Yoon, who uh, played Glenn and Greg Nicotero walk in. I'm like, holy shit, it's Greg Nicotero and Stephen Yoon. I have to I have to <laughs> chat with them. And uh, I spent the entire episode. I don't even know what happened that episode because I was talking to Greg Nicotero because he, ha- you know, he lived in Pittsburgh and I went to Carnegie Mellon and we just talked about Pittsburgh for like an hour and a half. And it was the coolest thing. I'm like, nobody's going to believe me that I just chatted about 
living in Pittsburgh where I could have been talking about talking to Greg Nicotero about anything. And it was just about living in Pittsburgh for, yeah. for 90 minutes. But yeah, it, it's how was Carnegie Mellon? I, I loved it. Um, I'm, I'm going to be paying off my student loans for the rest of my life. But I, I went there for dramatic writing, you know, screenwriting, uh, writing for the stage. And and it was great. I worked with some amazing people, had, you know, I have made some really great connections and it, it was fun. It it. it it was have a great you experience. Tried to get movies made? Not successfully. Uh, you know, I, I I won a grant for a screenplay, and I and I won a, a small festival and um, for for screenwriting, but haven't That's haven't. Great. Yeah, it, it, it's nice. It you know, I I'm, I'm saying like I'll ho hum, um, but no, I haven't haven't done anything more than just the just the yay. Um, it just it hasn't it hasn't been my path. It hasn't been my time. Basically, out of out of grad school, I had, you know, I, it, this sounds, this sounds such like douchebaggery thing to say, but it was like, I, either like I, I take a chance and see what happens by moving to California, or I take a chance on this girl who says, I'm not moving to California, but if you want to move down to Atlanta with me, we can see what, what we can, what can become of us. And I said, I'll take the girl. And that's, I think you made the right choice. I think so. Because you can write from anywhere. Yeah. Especially in the pandemic, mm-hmm. if you want a grant for your screen and you want a festival, you probably have talent. I mean, obviously you're a cinephile, right? Mm-hmm. So you still, writers can be from anywhere. You made the right decision. Love is the right decision. <laughs> But I get really awkward talking about myself. You know, I was a journalist in the Navy, so I love talking about talking to people about themselves. But when like people flip it and start talking about me, I'm like, I don't I, I don't know what, what I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, like I, I don't know. I don't know what to say <laughs> or do. So what is the format of your show? Do you just talk about like a movie? So the whole concept of my podcast is I, I know what I like. I, you know, but I'm curious I, I want to know what inspires other people, you know, what type of art that they like. So I'll bring somebody on and I'll say, what are you interested in? And we'll we'll do an episode on that. But the whole concept of my podcast is I know what I enjoy, but I want to know what you like. So I'm going to bring you onto the show and interview you about the things that inspire you because, you know, that's that's interesting to me. So I can see something different, uh, look at the world through a different, a different lens, not just my own. And that's, that, that's kind of the whole, the whole idea uh, of what, yeah, what my podcast is, is just to find out what inspires other people, as opposed to, hey, I want to talk about the things that I enjoy. And this is my platform. And you're going to hear about what I like. What inspires me right now is filmmaking. I want to just do filmmaking, but I mm. make a living as an actor and I do love, once I'm acting, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I love this. Um, but the, um, but the creativity that I have or the, the need I have to tell a story both visually and emotionally with performances, I, I just, if, if a script has something to do with a performance, I know that's my script. Yeah, And the thing about the fangirls movie is that the relationships between the four girls is what really gets, is really what's important in the script. And I'm going to make that resonate. And then the fun part is the comedy of them trying to see new kids on the block, which is actually one of my favorite bands. So I'm, I'm extremely proud and keep doing it. I'm really excited to see uh, this fam girl, a fangirls uh, film when it comes to fruition and everything like that. But yeah, I'll have to come see me. 
I mean, fucking Tani Katane, you know, I'm going back to White Snake music video when I was a kid and I was like, holy shit, that's that's Tani Katane. Wasn't she good? She was fantastic. She, she was fantastic. Everybody. Uh there there's one other call out I wanted to have. And who was it that I just wanted to mention real quick that was in Come See Me that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe. The, he, he was in, he, he was in the scene no, well obviously molly shannon molly shannon was so great um no he he was in the movie for like one minute and he was like a deep cut from um like police academy um oh, lance kinsey you should lance have kinsey, him on your yeah. yeah yeah oh my god i'd love to have lance are you kidding me that, yeah uh, yes, you have to have lance kinsey on your show yeah lance I, I kinsey do. directed me in his movie all stars which you should watch so funny and then that producer is the one who made come see me really okay yeah all right then we're gonna have to make this happen i need to have proctor from police academy on on, on exactly. my show i need he is to. such a great guy and then you can ask him about all-stars you should watch all-stars and say you want to do an interview about all-stars yep oh it's, my god i didn't even get to ask you about rat race shit oh, rat uh, race is super fun. yeah i love that movie i felt lucky to be in it i originally auditioned for one of the lucy's Really? And then they called back and said I didn't get it, but they but that Zucker wanted to see me for this other character. And I was like, and my agent was like, no, you get your own screen time. The other one is all Lucy. Mm -hmm. This one you'd be uh, all on your own. I was like, oh, okay, okay. I'll, yeah, I'll the, try that uh, out. The, and Rat Race is fun, but the funniest, like the funniest scene in the whole movie. Like you are so great in, in that Thank scene of Rat you. Race. It's just so fun. Just just dropping porn titles and it, it's just so and you're just so like deadpan <laughs> and flat and it's just so perfect and thank you <laughs> yeah thank you thank you in spare room and come see me there's a lot of cameos if you look it's like actors i've worked with through the years that are like even ian gomez the actor ian gomez is in spare room but we had to cut his face we just use his voice and he's like telling her that she's not getting the loan and ian gomez was mm. in Zuberi, so i called him and asked if he would do that role so just for the listeners two great fantastic uh films that you really need to see obviously is come see me that we've been talking about which is a little bit a little bit more comical it's still very very serious and there there's very uh serious subject matter but uh spare room just uh, a, a lot more it, it's it, it's a headier subject matter but really good and your your, your two central uh, leads in that were, were fantastic. It was a pleasure. And thank you so much for taking, I know this was over the amount of time that we, that we spoke, but I love talking about all this stuff. <laughs> oh, real quick. Tell me why the love, Witch was good. Oh my God. Oh my Lord. The love, Witch. Whew. so I mean, there, there are a lot of things that I love that. And I'm a big fan of like genre films and I really enjoy I, I really do enjoy horror films just because I think that there's a really good look to it. And I find that a lot of like anima uh, innovative uh, filmmaking comes from that genre. But what I loved about The Love Witch is it really, it didn't feel like it was faking the funk, trying to look like a 60s movie. It it looked like it was Technicolor, but you know, she filmed it on 35 millimeter and just the, the costume that she did everything on, on um, the stage. It just looks so 
authentic. And then the character was just such a classic, like 60, well, 50s, 60s femme fatale and everything about it. You, it, it felt like you were in this portal and you were watching this movie from the, the 1960s. And it, it just visually, it, it just, you're, you're in a trance watching this and you're like this, this is incredible. And this is a movie that was made five years ago. I haven't seen a movie like this since, well, the 60s. It was a female director? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honor, Anna, Anna Biller, I think is her name. I, I think that's Has her name. Has she gone on to direct anything else? She's done a couple things. She's done a couple things before that, I believe, but that that's that's her calling card right now. So she's probably working on other things right now, but it's it, it, it's just, it, it's fascinating. It hit me in a level. Like, I'm like, this, this is, this is, this is an artist. And she's, she knows the movies that's inspired her. And it's not like she's, pl- she's not plagiarizing anything. It's just, she, she's like, all right, I'm going to do kind of like a, an homage film to this specific genre and do something neat. And the movie doesn't take place in the fifties or sixties. It takes place in like contemporary. Wow. Uh, it takes place in con- contemporary America, but it just has that look. So that's why I enjoyed it. Oh my God. I'm excited to see it. No, but I've heard about it before. So that's why when I saw it on your show, I was like, Hmm. Yeah, definitely watch it. You should, you should. And then if you, you hate it, be like, dude, Stamper's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Anna Biller has done everything. She did the costume design, the screenplay, the director. She did everything for the movie. Everything. She literally did everything for the film. So cool. Well, it was so much fun. I loved talking to you. And <clears throat> I can't wait to hear Lance's episode. <laughs> well, yes. Let's uh, let's set that up. I Yeah, that'll be, that, that would be a lot of fun if, uh, if we can make that happen. I would love to chat with him but I will shut up now. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful night. You as well. Bye now. I'm going to go see the love, which I think right now. You should. You should. Thank you. Thank you. you. No, thank you. And there you have it, folks. How great was that? Isn't she freaking awesome? And obviously there's a little, if you, if you listen to the, the entire end, I think you, you have a little sneak peek at who our next guest is going to be. So be on the lookout for that. But once again, Jenica, thank you very much for a fantastic experience. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And to the listeners, thank you for listening to yet another episode of Stamper Cinema. We will see you next week with Lance Kinsey. Bye, everyone. <laughs>